0: Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Solo episode today. thought I would crank out an episode talking about the concept of moral courage. You've heard me talk about the four C's of leadership, and it's my foundation, what I believe and what I teach here at Dose of Leadership, how to be composed, confident, consistent, and courageous in every aspect of your life. And it's courage that we're going to talk about. And when we think about courage, often we, certainly the physical aspect of courage, right? Of of physically mustering yourself to go forward in a dangerous situation or a difficult situation. But I'm more concerned about the gray area of leadership, and this is why I think leadership is so difficult. is probably the main reason why leadership is do, do, so difficult, because leadership isn't black and white. It is constantly dealing in the gray. And sometimes things aren't so clear what is the right thing to do, because there's a tremendous amount of pressure, our personalities, our own ethics, how we were brought up, everything comes into play. But moral courage is this. It's the mastery of that fear of the social consequences of your decisions, such as being perceived as disloyal, being alienated from that decision, uh, ridicule, punishment, losing a job, losing your social status. Um, This is why moral courage is so challenging. In the end, the decisions we make must pass the test of ethical behavior. If you're going to be a leader, that's, that's important. You must always strive to do the right thing. And this often requires requires moral courage. You know, ethical choices often involve a moral dilemma. That's the truth. This is where we see all the dysfunctions and the challenges in, in life, right? Because we're always faced with a moral dilemma. And the necessity to choose between those competing obligations in those circumstances prevent one from doing both, right? You, you have to make a choice. And moral courage... When you're studying leadership, if you're on that leadership journey, moral courage compels us to make the right ethical decisions in situations where the easiest or the most expedient action sometimes fails to adhere to a higher standard of personal conduct. It's about always doing the right thing. You know, I learned a lot about that in the Marine Corps. They talked about it a lot, and you can imagine those type of situations that the Marines face, they're constantly faced with these kind of life-and-death moral dilemmas. And just try to picture, if you will, you know, say it's the summer um, when the Iraq-Afghanistan thing was in, in high gear, say the summer of 2004, 2005, and this young Marine's on some mounted patrol in Iraq, and you know, and he's feeling the stress of the oppressive heat, the lack of sleep, the homesickness, an elusive enemy, right, that sometimes isn't easy to define, and suddenly he feels a huge thump of an explosion behind him, and his patrol leader voices crackles through the radio speaker, and it directs that convoy to halt, and so following his... Disciplined in his battle drills, he dismounts and he begins a sweeping field off to his right, searching for the trigger man of the roadside bomb. And you can imagine, again, the temperatures in excess of 100 degrees. He's got all that body armor on. It feels like a furnace. His heart is racing. He's gasping for breath. And He and his two other Marines see a figure darting into a building. And one of his buddies says he's ready to engage and if he's the senior marine in the group, he orders them, "Hey, hold on a second, wait until we get positive identification." And so as the moments slowly pass, all of a sudden a frightened and clearly non-combatant woman comes out of this place that this man ran into. And at the same time, this Marine across the you know joins several of the Marines across the field, and they have detained um, a, a proprietor of a roadside, roadside fruit stand, for example. And it's clear from the proximity of where that guy in the fruit stand was and an abandoned sandal of someone fleeing a scene that that man, the guy in the fruit stand, obviously knows who initiated the attack. So just imagine and try to empathize with that pressure and understanding what is right. And the idea of of having the discipline of moral courage is going to keep him from physically attacking this Fruit stand owner, this liar, and beating him until he tells him who triggered the triggered the roadside bomb. Those are the challenges that I mean. That's the extreme, right? I mean, thank goodness we don't have to be faced with those type of situations. But I give you that example just to kind of highlight the power and the importance of moral courage. Because by exercising that restraint, you retain your honor, you set an example because everybody's watching you, right? And man, oh man. Those are difficult choices, but there's difficult choices in peacetime too, or, or you know, not those type of drastic situations. We're faced with them every single day. I remember there's a famous, uh, kind of popular story um, that I remember hearing about, and it's simple. Where it was kind of usually tradition in the Marine Corps for a company to give a platoon. Each, each company has three or four platoons, and it was tradition if you know you go 30 days without any discipline. problems from your Marines that you give them a 72-hour liberty. Well, there was one platoon they were reaching 28 days, everything was fine. And there's this one pl- platoon in the 29th day, one of their Marines went um, UA, or went on an unauthorized absence. He left without permission, basically. And so that's a disciplinary action. But no one outside the platoon knew that. Obviously, everybody in the platoon knew he was missing and the platoon commander knew he was missing. And so that's a moral dilemma, right? The platoon commander is faced with a moral dilemma. He can ignore that unauthorized absence and ensure that the rest of his Marines go on this well-earned liberty this one guy kind of screwed it up for everybody, right? Or he could report the absent, absence, forfeit the liber- liberty, and perhaps the morale of the platoon, right? Put yourself in that situation. Man, one day to go and this one knucklehead leaves and screws the whole thing up and nobody outside the platoon knows it. So what do you do? Do you report it to the company commander? Well, you know, think about that. That's not easy, is it, right? Because you seem like what is the right thing to do? It's not black and white, is it? Ultimately, the platoon commander chose to do the right thing. The latter, gonna stick to their kind of rules of discipline, right? That they have, they're stated, they're clear. That this is these are the expectations that we will have. And anyway, he reported that unauthorized absence to his company commander. Now, obviously, what do you think the Marines thought of that platoon commander at that moment? Certainly, they were disappointed. Not only had they lost their hard-earned liberty. But also, also, they were initially disappointed in him, for sure. I'm sure there was a lot of um, bad things said about that platoon commander. But think about the long game. Remember, this is an infinite game. This is a, a long marathon. Slowly, over succeeding days, I'm sure they came to respect the difficult choice that was made by that platoon commander. And soon, we would hope that what would be realized is that they could count on this platoon commander to do what was right always, no matter how difficult or how unpopular. See, that's this is why it's so difficult, right? It's the moral challenge that makes leadership so difficult. You can't put it to pen and paper. You can't. I mean, certainly there's tons of leadership books. You know, I try to do this here on the show, but it's those real life actions that make leadership so damn difficult. And you've got to overcome those moral challenges. You're going to be faced with them. You've already been faced with tons of them already. You know you have. You've seen it. You've seen moral challenges. You've seen people faced with them. You've seen them fail and you've seen them succeed. Again, it's the mastery of the fear of the social consequences. Can't you know? Nobody wants to be perceived as disloyal. Nobody wants to be alienated. No one wants to be ridiculed. No one wants to get punished. No one wants to lose their job. No one wants to lose their social status. But those that's the risk. That's the price you have to pay in the short term, the risk of, to make sure you're always doing the right thing. Sometimes the choice is crystal clear, right? Sometimes it's just so apparent what right and wrong it is, right? Not all dilemmas are difficult to choose from. Sometimes they are bordering black and white, and there's absolutely no question it's the right thing to do. But in most cases, in a lot of cases, the correct course of action just isn't so clear. In the end, as leaders, we must accept full accountability for our actions. You've heard me talk about accountability and responsibility, right? You cannot delegate that authority. I mean, you cannot delegate the accountability away. You know, one powerful thing that I've seen about leadership, And I've seen it in my personal life. I've been a participant of it where I've seen leaders that I've been on teams of where they did the right thing and they did the moral thing. And it's powerful. And I think this is where um, you've heard me say that I've always... Strive to create cultures of where people are asking for forgiveness instead of permission, right? I think that is the sweet spot that we should be sh- shooting for, and that's where moral courage comes into. Is particularly if you're a middle manager, if you find yourself in the middle and below, I think it is one of the most challenging positions to be in any organization. You know, being in that middle because you've got to certainly be accountable for the people that are below you. You certainly have to manage the relationships of your peers, which are. In middle management are many, and you certainly have to learn how to lead and communicate up. I mean, it's very challenging. It's a very difficult place to be. And that's where often where a lot of moral courage comes into play because, you know, as leaders, we must, who we're accountable for, our team members, our subordinates must feel that we genuinely care and that we are fighting for a worthy cause and that their sacrifices, that whatever they do, working late, you know, putting in the extra hours, doing whatever are not made in, in vain. And so you as the leader, You're constantly acting as a buffer to protect subordinates. That's a key responsibility of any leader, right? We would all agree with that. And it's difficult. And that's where the moral courage comes into play because many times, particularly in large organizations where you're dealing with bureaucracy, you have to be that buffer. And you're faced with some choices like what's the right thing to do. And sometimes, um, and I'm not saying what's right or wrong, sometimes doing the right thing is going against an age-old policy or a manual or a procedure or a process or a rule. And that's where the moral courage comes into play. Obviously, you can see there's examples in combat time and time again where people are on the front line and they see a situation – There was a famous situation, a story in Vietnam, and I'll spare you all the the gory details, but basically what it was, the enemy uh, was discovered on the other side of this river, and the only thing that separated the enemy and from the uh, U.S. forces was this bridge. And it was a key bridge. It was a vital bridge. It was whoever owned that bridge had the advantage. Well, the problem was is that the U.S. forces were outnumbered, right? And so... What do we, And it was clear they were going to cross this bridge in a matter of hours. And if they did, they were going to overrun the forces. But if you blow up the bridge, man, it's going to set back from a logistical standpoint the, the battle. I mean, it had huge ramifications, right? I mean, you can see the dilemma. And so the, the leaders on the ground on the front were trying to get permission to destroy this bridge and to stop this enemy advance. And nobody was willing to make the decision. They just kept pushing up this hierarchical chain time and time again. It's like, who's going to make the final decision? And fortunately... On the ground, the leaders on the ground right there said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make the decision. I'll take the consequences. Damned whatever. Blow the damn bridge up. And they did and saved the American forces this and that. And, and, and with the prism of wisdom and history behind you, it was the right decision to make, right? The the, the logistical challenges or the, the payoff of destroying the bridge, you know, destroying it the benefits of destroying it outweighed not destroying it. And so those are the type of things, right, that demand you to make that decision. And certainly in the heat of the battle and with minimal information and no one willing to step up and maybe they got a bureaucratic process to, to get the approval. I mean, if they had awaited, then the, the enemy probably would have came across and loss of life would have happened. You know, who knows? But I love what Confucius says, says about about courage, right? He says, to see what is right and not do it is want of courage, right? So basically, to see what the right thing to do is in front of you, and you don't take the, you don't do the right thing when you see that it's so clear, like blowing up that bridge, you're lacking courage. So it takes a tremendous amount of cojones, right, to do the right thing. Look, moral courage is a private courage, or right? it's a form of conscious that is many times, many times a tougher challenge than physical courage, right, of doing what you have to do to stay alive, or you know, especially when in business, right? We're not talking about war. We're not talking about the Marine Corps, right? It's so difficult when things are easy and things are going good. It can be very difficult. You know, now times of crisis, like the COVID crisis, sometimes it's it's easier to make those decisions because we're in a crisis mode. And we. It, sometimes that crisis does highlight what is the right thing to do, but it's in those calm situations, in those good times when it can be really difficult. But remember that moral courage serves not only As a foundation of your leadership philosophy, it has to be a foundation, a bedrock. But it's also a challenge that you must face every day. Let's face it. You are faced with these dilemmas in every aspect of your life, personal and professional. And remember this. If you don't have the moral courage when things are good, when things are going smooth, and you're not consistently meeting your own high standards and expectations, then you're not likely to have the correct amount of moral courage to make the difficult decisions when things are pretty stressful. To me, it's even more important in the good times and the smooth times and when things are calm is to always have that, that perception, or I mean, that, that not the perception, the reality of always doing the right thing. This is a true story that I remember, uh, again, going back to the Marine Corps story, again, they just highlight so many great examples. This is a true story, but the names are changed to, to not embarrass anybody and to protect privacy. But there was this admin section. And, you know, admin in the Marine Corps handles all, you know, pay and everything else and orders and leave and moving expenses and everything else, right? And so this Sergeant Perilla, he was a member of this inspector-instructor administrative section, and he had two other sergeants with him, and he was friends with him and known him a long time. And one day, Sergeant Perilla complained to this other sergeant, Sergeant Adkins, that Sergeant Vickers had never run a unit diary entry in all the time together. And a unit diary is basically a historical record of everything that happens On a day-to-day basis in the squadron or or the unit, right? Again, this sergeant Perella noticed that this sergeant Vickers had never run a unit diary entry, you know, this historical record in all their time they've been working together, and he told that to his other friend, sergeant Atkins. And sergeant Atkins said, "Hey, it was it was just as well because um, he knew that sergeant Vickers would have probably run illegal entries on himself." And so Sergeant Perilis said, man, that seems kind of odd. I mean, why would he do that? So he dug a little deeper. He checked the record. And basically what he found out was is that the Sergeant Vickers had been entering a basic allowance for housing. They call it BAH. And basically wherever you lived in the United States or or wherever in the globe, you would get your base pay. But then depending on where you lived, you would get a housing allowance. And so, for example, if you lived in San Francisco – Um, The amount was $2,100, but if you lived in Corpus Christi, Texas, it was probably $800, if that makes sense, right? I'm just making those numbers up. But that's what he found out. He found out that Sergeant Vickers was entering in his pay a basic housing allowance for San Francisco in the amount of $2,100 for himself, and that was well over their basic housing allowance for where they lived, which was $780, right? So this Sergeant Vickers was Backdating the entry too and basically what it came down to, he was embezzling or he had embezzled almost $16,000 from the government. He was basically saying, hey, I, because he was an admin and he had all the secret passcodes and everything else, he doctored the records and he was getting paid an extra $1,300 a month roughly when he shouldn't have. And so when Sergeant Perilla discovered this transgression, he went to Sergeant Atkins and he said, hey, this is kind of BS, man. And uh, I'm going to go confront Vickers, and I'm going to go tell the sergeant, this is crazy. And then Sergeant Atkins said, hey, wait, don't do that, man. Don't report these entries, because I've done it myself. Holy cow, right? In fact, what was found out that Sergeant Atkins, the other guy, he'd been running a separation allowance on himself, backdating it two years in the tune of defrauding the government about $6,000. Holy cow. So imagine you're Perilla, right? Your two buddies, Vickers and Atkins had been found out that they'd been defrauding the government. And these are buddies. These aren't just, they, they know each other. So Adkins and, and Vickers both told Perilla, hey, don't worry about it. No one's going to find out because look, we're about to get out of the Marine Corps. We're getting out of the Marine Corps in three, four months. Not a big deal. And Perilla kind of stood by his guns. He said, look, man, this is not right, man. And then Adkins and Vickers, what do they do? They threatened to kill him. And they later gave him $2,000 to keep his mouth shut. This is a true story, guys. Now, Perilla didn't want the money. But he took it to buy time to figure out what to do. Put yourself in Perilla's shoes, right? Total confliction. These Marines were his buddies. They worked as a team. They did life together. Their family shared meals. They went hunting together. They did stuff. They shared tough times. They deployed together. They conducted more than 100 funerals together. They buried some of their friends. They looked out for each other. Sergeant Atkins, he had a wife and a one week old baby. Sergeant Vickers he had a wife and two children. And Perilla, growing up, he grew up in the streets of New York, and, and he learned not to rat out on his buddies. Kiss of death to rat out on your buddies. So he was wrestling what to do. What should he do? And he knew obviously what these two Marines had done was wrong. And if he did nothing, the theft would probably remain undetected. And in the grand scheme of things, is it a big hit on the government to losing twenty-two thousand dollars? You know, over a two-year period. It's, it's, it doesn't even register, right? But he was wrestling. And if he told the chain of command, then the two wives and the three children would suffer, and his fellow Marines would probably think he was disloyal. He talked through all these conflicting thoughts with his wife and agonizing what to do, and he decided he had to report the crimes. He had to, but he went for a drive to go collect his thoughts and figure out how to tell his command. In the meantime, his wife was kind of panicking because these two other guys threatened her husband's life. right? She was concerned for her own family safety, and she called the training chief, a Master Sergeant Powers, who immediately phoned Perilla to confirm the facts. And together they determined the best course of action was to call the, you know, the Naval Criminal Investigation Service, the NCIS, was the best course of action. Of course, the agents arrested the two sergeants, who were later court-martialed. They were sent to brig, and in the end, Sergeant Perilla did the right thing. He realized that his loyalty belonged with the Marine Corps and his unit. Can you imagine? But you know what? He did the right thing, and. Shame on Adkers and Vickers for putting Perilla in that spot. That's how you got to look at it. Despite the loyalty, despite everything else, in the long term, everybody's going to know that's the right thing to do, right? It's difficult. And Perilla's a good guy, right? He was... We've been faced with situations like that. Let's just sweep it under the rug. Look, you probably have a thousand stories just like I do. I could go on and give you more examples, but I think you get the point, right? The challenge of leadership really is the moral courage piece. That's why it makes it so stinking difficult. We all, it's easy to talk about and say we would always do the right thing, but I've failed at this. You failed at it. There are times that I didn't speak up or I swept things under the rug where I shouldn't have or looked the other way. It's hard. It gets even the best of us. But remember what we said their eyes are always on you. It's a requirement to always set the example. And you should always be tri- striving to do the right thing, especially when no one's looking, right? And in a sense, that is the easy thing to do. Because when you do those things, the covering up and the looking the other way and the, and the consequences of not you know sticking to what is right ultimately causes more heartache than doing the right thing. Doing the right thing in the short term seems awfully difficult. But in reality, it's the easiest thing to do in the long term. And remember, listening to that Simon Sinek ep- episode, like I said, it's playing the infinite game, right? We're playing an infinite game here. And so that's how you got to look at it. I hope you got some value out of this. I challenge you to always do the right thing. And my next call of action is if you're getting some value out of the show, and I love doing this for free. Hopefully, it's a great resource for your leadership journey. Please tell somebody about the show. Tell your friends, your family, your coworkers. Let them know that you're getting some value out of Dose of Leadership. And if you haven't done so... Please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts and just take the time. Click on a five-star review. Take the time to write a review. That would be great. I love hearing that feedback. And thank you for all the recent reviews that I've been getting. I appreciate all the feedback. But it helps in the algorithm. It helps keep me front and center. You know, we're in the top 20 consistently in Apple Podcasts under the business management category. And I can't do it without your support. If you got a, a Android phone, Stitcher, Google Play, they got ways you can write reviews as well. Spotify, same thing. And reach out to me, doseofleadership.com. You can fill out the contact me form. It'll send me a direct email, or you can email me directly, Richard dosaleadership.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. If you've got some great examples and stories, I'd love to share them on here. And let me know. I answer every email. It may take me a while, but I do answer every email. The people that talk to me personally, and uh, I'm easy to reach. And also check out my website if you are looking for a speaker, a coach, or even doing some online training. Legacy Leader Blueprint course is a great way to train your team, particularly in this shelter-in-place era i've trained over 34 organizations in the legacy leader blueprint course and it doesn't break the bank it's 500 dollars a seat it's a great way to plant the seeds of a leadership culture in your team to get people to understand these concepts of leadership that we talk about all the time on dose of leadership i really do appreciate it all right thank you so much for being a fan and the loyal supporter of the show i look forward to the next time we're together in the meantime take it a great one